The Hornets' losing streak extends to five games. Their shooting woes continue, and they lose another winnable game. That's all familiar, but that's not all there is to this story. That's coming up on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. <laughs> It is Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sweat Block. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with promo code Locked On at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. I know a lot of Hornets fans right now sweating this five-game losing streak, and we're going to break it all down on this solo show edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Doug Branson, founder of the pod, writer, podcaster, YouTuber at everyhornetsboxscore.com. Subscribe at everyhornetsboxscore.com to support my work there. I'm typically joined uh, with or by Walker Mail, uh, who is a host on uh, WFNC. You can check out more of his work there. He's off for the night. I am here uh, at the mercy of this defeat, this fifth straight defeat. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, 108-100 to is the final score against a Washington Wizards team without Bradley Beal, one of their better scorers. They didn't need his scoring talent because the Hornets' offense remains uh, miserable. So th- there's a lot to get to in this one. I-, I think there's a macro story and there's a micro story. There's kind of a big picture reason why they lost this game, why they've been losing these past few games. And then there's a there's something deeper within this particular game that I think is somewhat interesting. So I'm going to get to the something deeper in the next segment. I want to start with the macro because I think, you know, a lot of Hornets are fans are wondering right now, like what is going on in this five game losing streak other than the injuries? Like the obvious thing is the injuries. LaMelo Ball remains out. Gordon Hayward remains out with his shoulder injury, and Cody Martin uh, hasn't played since he played one minute in the season opener now with uh, quad soreness. So those injuries continue, and it certainly has been the story of the season. But that's not the macro element that I want to talk about. It's that the Hornets, as they are currently constructed, and injuries have something to do with this, but as they are currently constructed, They cannot shoot the basketball. Look at all the battles that they won uh, in this particular game. Again, an eight-point defeat. Well, number one, they take 21 more field goal attempts than the Washington Wizards, and they lose by eight. They win the battle in the paint, 70-58, to and they lose by eight. They win the second chance battle, 22 points to 14 points, nine of 17 on those second chance opportunities. They had 17 offensive rebounds in this game. Seven of those coming from Mason Plumley, three of those coming from Nick Richards. They lose the game by eight. They win the fast break battle. Pace was excellent in this game for the Hornets. They win that battle 16 to 13. Wizards got some of that back in the third quarter because of Here's the deal. Missed shots. That's what plagued the Hornets in this game. Uh, they were 5 of 32 from beyond the arc. Before Terry Rozier came back, they weren't even taking a ton of three-pointers. That was part of the problem is that teams like Chicago could outpace them. Even though Chicago wasn't shooting that well from three, they were shooting a little bit better and they were shooting more 
volume, and that was getting the Hornets, even though if you look back to that game against Chicago, same kind of story. Won the battle in the paint, one second chance, one fast break, lost the game. Same story here, except they were shooting more volume because Terry Rozier's back, and he attempted nine in this game. Kelly Oubre attempted seven. P.J. Washington attempted six. But Kelly was one of seven. P.J. was two of six. Terry was one of nine. Dennis Smith, 0 of two. James Booknight, 0 of three. Jalen McDaniels, 1 of four, and missed a critical one that would have put the uh, Hornets ahead in the fourth quarter. Uh, So just missed three-pointers, and in that third quarter especially, those missed three-pointers were getting turned into transition opportunities for Washington. Because really, the Hornets were winning the fast-break battle by a lot, and they were a lot more effective in transition overall. Like If you look at the cleaning the glass numbers for this game, they they were uh, doing some of the most effective transition work they've done all season. And Washington was really not getting into transition at all. And when they were getting there, weren't doing much with it until those third quarter missed wide open corner three-point shots. Your Dell talk about this on the broadcast if you watch the game. Those were getting turned into easy transition opportunities. Now you can blame that on the transition defense if you want. Uh, and certainly I think after the game, Clifford was looking at the third quarter transition defense as one of the major reasons why you lose that game. But I think if you look at the film, you go, man, if we had hit just one, two, or three of those three-point opportunities, this game turns significantly. And it points to, again, this macro issue of the shooting because shooting can cover up so many woes. And this was like a big storyline last season. This team is really, if you look at it, just as undisciplined as the team last season. The difference is all of those mistakes that you're seeing well, number one, they're coming from you know deep bench players that probably aren't prepared for the role and the number of minutes that they're getting right now. And they're kind of showing you, unfortunately, they're showing you who they are, either a player that is, is never really going to reach a ceiling of like major rotation player, or, or they're just showing you they might not be ready for the NBA right now or, or those kind of minutes right now and need some more seasoning. Uh, but but the other issue is that this team, even when they were healthy last season, was an undisciplined basketball team. They thrived off of chaos, and they had enough shooting to cover up some of those issues. Now, all of that shooting has gone away. Uh, Gordon Hayward, even when he was playing, wasn't shooting the basketball from three as well as he was last season and the season before. And then LaMelo Ball has been one of, if not the best three-point shooter on this team, especially just like pull-up three, tough three, knocking those down. I mean, that was what LaMelo was all about last season, and you're you're missing that element entirely, and it's starting to show. As game after game, they're either not taking enough three-pointers, they're certainly not making enough three-pointers. So, you know, that's really kind of the big macro issue, and I think it – it's easily explainable. Like if you look at some of the players that are struggling right now, DSJ hasn't hit a three in a while. He came into this season, you know, not really being known as a three point shooter. In fact, known for the opposite of taking threes that maybe he shouldn't and, and it going away. And he was a little bit of a darling story early in the season for taking and making them. But that was probably always going to regress somewhat. Jalen McDaniels uh, has been working to change his shot uh, form with uh, Bruce Kreitzer, uh, uh, who is famous for working with MKG to help him, uh, choose, you know, change his shot form in that little 
brief, brilliant moment where MKG could shoot threes. Uh, Bruce Kreitzer was a big part of that. Uh, also worked with Kimba Walker to help improve his shooting form. So, you know, Jalen McDaniels working with him in the offseason – but, you know, I think anytime you change your form, there's going to be ups and downs until it all settles out. It just doesn't magically happen for most guys. Uh, Terry Rozier right now, I think, is doing too much. Uh, and that's, again, yeah, it's it's explainable because he's coming back to a team where you're missing your two other stars. So he probably feels a lot more pressure. But he's taking shots that I think are, you know, easily categorized as ill-advised. And then P.J. Washington, his three-point shooting has fallen away, too. His role's been all over the place this season. He's had to lead the offense at times, uh, but he's probably not really uh, a player that is suited for that role. Uh, that's got to affect his rhythm so somewhat. So I'm just giving you some explanations. I'm not really giving you excuses. These guys have to shoot better. Uh, this is this is the modern NBA. I mean, you've got to – and especially when your team is playing better defensively but not built around defense, you really have to have three-point shooting uh, be a priority and knock down those shots. So injuries playing a role, you know, obviously that's the macro story. A lot that you can point to in this game. And I want to get to that coming up. You know, can you pin this on the defense at the end of the game on Kuzma? Absolutely. Can you pin it on errors throughout the game? I'm thinking of Mason Plumley's turnover in the fourth quarter. I'm thinking of James Booknight's foul at the end of the third quarter. I'm thinking of giving up the offensive rebound off of two missed free throws. Just some of these things where you go, whoa, what is happening? And I'm just saying that. Those kinds of things, I think, happened, maybe not the frequency that they're happening now. They did happen last season, maybe not at the frequency, but that's because, again, you're depending on players you know, that, that have suddenly found themselves with major rotation roles that have never had those rotation roles before. But they happened, and I think they were covered up a lot by the fact that you had three-point shooters all over the floor, and this offense was one of the better offenses in the league, and now this season um, it is uh, turning out to be one of the worst without some of those uh, key cogs. All right, coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're going to be talking about the micro issues. There was a particular moment in the fourth quarter that I think cost them a very winnable game. That's the thing. You know, some of these have been winnable. Some of them have not. That game against Memphis, that was probably never going to be winnable. This one with that, you know, Washington hasn't been playing great defense, losing a lot of games. This one was winnable. The Brooklyn one was winnable. And there have been some critical moments in these winnable games. We're going to get to the, one of those critical moments coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about Sweat Block. Uh, look, so everybody that watches this show a lot knows that I have a baby and that baby is growing up and the baby grows up and starts to move around a lot. I watch the baby uh, two days a week. So, I, well, really four days a week if you count the weekend. So I'm constantly running around. I'm chasing the baby and uh, it makes me sweat. Look, I sweat. You know, it, it happens. I'm a human being. Human beings sweat. But, uh, you know, sometimes when I sweat, the sweat comes through the shirt and then, you know, I take the baby out to maybe grab lunch. And then I've got these like embarrassing pit stains. Uh, that was until I started using sweat block. Now you sweat block and I don't sweat as much. And it's been beautiful. Sweat block wipes are your little secret to confidence. The sweat block wipes work up to seven days per use. 
You don't have to use a lot of them. You just use one, seven days, you're good to go. Apply them on a Sunday and you stay dry all week. If you or someone you love has a baby <laughs> or maybe doesn't have a baby and they're experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try have them try sweat block. Or if you're experiencing it, you try sweat block. You can save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. They are also available on Amazon. More on another disappointing loss. Coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Is Locked On Hornets. I'm glad we have YouTube now for everybody to see just how bulk you are. Can you give us a gun show flash real quick? Oh, yeah. Me and you, man. Look look at that drape. That's 100% grade A. Look, here I am doing it. Look at these noodle arms right here. Look, they just flow. We got it. Listen. Listen. Yep. Yeah. You want chicken wings? If you're if you've been starving for some chicken wings, this is the show for you, folks. (laughs) YouTube.com forward slash chicken wings. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back into the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. That That's a great show because they go deep into those biggest stories and give you, you know, again, that local expert analysis. So that's what I want to do in this segment. I want to dig down into this game because a lot happened in this game. Uh, but I really feel, and it was a, you know, it was one of these games again where the Hornets were down, you know, five, three, five, seven, and they were trying to fight back, trying to fight back. But I thought there was a particular moment in the fourth quarter that I think cost them the game and, and something that they're going to have to look at. I want to take you to 9.04 left in the fourth quarter. And uh, there were all kinds of bench wrench performances in this game. Jordan Goodwin came out of nowhere. This has been a story of the of the uh, five-game losing streak, and that's going to be a story when you're an undisciplined basketball team that's not shooting the basketball well. Sometimes you're going to you're going to let players into the game that uh, haven't necessarily had an opportunity to get into some of these games against teams that are a little bit better organized on the defensive end. But Jordan Goodwin was a bench wrench. But then Hachimura, more like Hachimura, he was getting hot in the fourth quarter. He got four straight points. Uh, at that 904 mark, he gets that cutting shot off a miscommunication between Nick Richards and Jalen McDaniels. Jalen, so he was playing like amazing, perfect defense for most of this game. And then in the fourth quarter, I felt like he made a couple of mistakes that ends up uh, costing the Hornets pretty tremendously. Uh, but it's tough to fault him because he was so good defensively for most of this game. I think he ended. I want to say five, almost five. No, let's see, three steals to go. Yeah, PJ Washington had three steals. Mason Plumley had two steals as well. But Jalen was active on the defensive end. But that that particular one had the Hornets down seven points, eighty six to seventy nine, with eight twenty four to go. Okay, Book Knight misses a thirty foot jump shot. Hornets get the rebound. They call time. Uh, they call timeout. Get a sub. Thor for Book Knight. Smith Jr. for Washington to go along uh, with Rozier uh, and Nick Richards and and Mc, and McDaniel's. And I thought this was actually a great sub. We typically don't see JT Thor in this late in the game, but I thought it was a great sub because you're getting length on the floor. You're you still don't have. 
Kristaps uh, uh, Porzingis on the floor, so you can kind of take advantage of that moment there. Rozier hits a three-pointer, fadeaway jumper. They get it down to four. Then Richard, then Thor gets an amazing defensive rebound on Kuzma's three-point pull-up jump shot. I mean, it was just a physical rebound. Thor gets it, and then uh, Smith Jr. misses the layup. And then Nick Richards gets a great offensive rebound. So you have Thor getting the defensive rebound. Richards gets the offensive rebound. Richards puts it back. They are now only down to all the momentum's heading towards the Charlotte Hornets. Then Richards gets a block on Kyle Kuzma's driving layup. And Thor gets the rebound on that block. And then what I said in the first segment, McDaniel's brutal three-point jump shot miss in the corner, wide open, would have given them the lead. Gaffer gets the rebound. Wizards timeout. And that timeout was definitely going to stop the momentum somewhat, but here's the moment that I felt like would... I think it's a moment... I don't know. Maybe Clifford wants it back. I think he should want it back. He subs Maladone in for Rozier. That's fine. Rozier needed a breather. He had been playing a lot of minutes up to that point. Plumlee comes in for Richards. To me, that was a big mistake. Washington for McDaniels, and then Oubre in for Thor. Uh, The Oubre-Plumlee combination would go on to get absolutely cooked by Kyle Kuzma. Um, And I just think that losing Thor... Uh, and losing Richards, who had got you to that point where you only down two. I think in this situation, four-game losing streak, I get him wanting, and eventually he would get Rozier, he would, he would funnel Rozier back in. I, I, you know, I certainly understand wanting to lean on your starters. To, normally, normally I would understand that. But your starters haven't played well. Okay, I mean, you look at it just across the board. The starting lineup gets uh, has been getting eviscerated. Uh, plus, minus is one of the worst in in the association. Uh, points per possession, one of the worst in the association for the, the the starting lineup for the Charlotte Hornets. Like the main starting lineup, even even adding Rozier back, it's been tough. Okay, um, and, and they got absolutely cooked. And, and I just think Plumlee had the big turnover in the fourth quarter. I thought as well. So. I just think that was an opportunity to stay with the hot hand, and unfortunately, they didn't do it. And you have to wonder, you know, when you're in these kind of spiral moments, are you doing a little bit of kind of second guessing? Like, what, you know, I need to get my starters in here. Or they sub in KP, Washington does, and so maybe... Uh, maybe he liked the matchup with Mason Plumley against KP starting center versus starting center. But I think this was a, an opportunity to maybe let Richards prove it. Like Richards is going to be the future, right? I mean, Mason Plumley is not going to be the future starting center on this team. And I, you know, if, if he wants to be patient with the starting center decision, okay, that's one thing. But I think in that particular moment, Richards had made some winning plays and the Wizards had already called the timeout to stop the momentum, but you're giving them a gift, I think, by taking the those players out that had gotten you there. Um, so, you know, just a just a tough decision. And I think one of those ones that you you put the microscope on and you say, you know, this was really kind of a winning moment. And, and it all slipped away after that. And it really was Plumley and Ubre, you know, combining because what did Washington do? Washington did the same thing. They made the same calculus as the Nets did two nights before, which is, okay, we know what you're going to do, which is key in on our best player. In Brooklyn's case, it was Kevin Durant. 
in Washington's case, it was KP. They had been shading KP. They had been, uh, you know, I think Clifford made a point uh, twice in, in pregame interviews to say they had to do better on the Christos Porzingis pick and rolls than they did in the preseason. And they, honestly, I thought generally they did. I mean, his final line was 6 of 14, 19 points. Uh, did get f- eight free throw attempts. Uh, only one offensive rebound, though. But five assists, that's the thing. Uh, He was tied with most assists for the Washington Wizards with Jordan Goodwin. Uh, So he only gets 19 points, but those five assists were critical because he was giving up the basketball. I mean, props to KP, unselfish. You know, I I think, you know, there might be some stars currently with the the Charlotte Hornets right now. Uh, One that's playing uh, Terry Rozier that could be a little bit more unselfish in these big moments. Uh, and and uh, Kelly Oubre as well. I mean, the shot makers weren't making shots. Uh, but, you know, 19 points, five assists. Those five assists were the critical uh, stat for KP because he was giving it up to Kuzma. And uh, who, you know, Kuzma was doing a great job cutting. Um, he, he forced the switch. Uh, with uh, Kelly Oubre, he switched on to Terry Rozier, and Terry Rozier got caught on his back foot. He dropped a he, he dropped a mid range jump shot on him. So you know, big uh, the big players stepping up in the big moments for Washington. Uh, but I thought that sub really like if you just want to look at one particular moment um, that that may have hurt them. I I think you can definitely look at that one and. You know, I mean, it's 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 margins at this point. Again, you know, if you look back at the Memphis game, I mean, that was one thirty to ninety nine. They they were an eleven point dog. Uh, they didn't have much shot in that one. Chicago, uh, there were there were moments in that one. Certainly, it got away from it at the end, but there were moments where they could have gotten back into that game. Sacramento, it was it was defensive issues there that hurt you, but also you couldn't score enough. Uh, and then, you know, the Brooklyn certainly, um, you know, there, there were moments there defensively where you had some failures, but ultimately you had shots to win that game, but too many errors off the KD double team. And there were errors off the KP. Uh, it wasn't double team necessarily, but there were errors off that um, KP pick and roll. So KD, KP, uh, it leads to KO for the Charlotte Hornets. Fifth straight loss. And the next segment, we're going to do some looking ahead and one thing that I'm really upset about, which is that this loss overshadowed uh, one thing that I love to celebrate on this show. And I don't even know if I can celebrate it. I'm going to try because they were excellent. We'll see. Coming up, that's coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the but Hornets first, just I yet. I'll tell you about our friends at Bet Online. They've been with us a long time supporting this show. We want you to support them. If you're going to be doing some betting, head to betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Uh, they had the Hornets as a two, I think they had them as a two point favorite heading into this game. And that makes sense. No Beal. I mean, you, you had to feel like at home. You know, the, the 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 it had to break at some point, um, but unfortunately, it wasn't this. Uh, you would have had a chance to beat Bet Online there uh, if you had done it. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. BetOnline.net has it all, and if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're uh, they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Final segment coming up. Got to do some cleanup on a game. Plus, we'll do a little looking ahead. See what the schedule has in store for the Charlotte Hornets. That's coming up 
on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Is Locked On Hornets. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Back here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. Hitting the notebook here, the uh, everyhornetsboxscore.com notebook to give you a few uh, notes from there that may have gotten covered up by a game in which uh, the Hornets lose 108 to 105th straight loss uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. I think one of the most disappointing things about this game, honestly, it's that uh, this loss is going to cover up three of the better Hornets dunks I've seen all year. And I think Eric Collins had the stat uh, that this they had 10 dunks overall in this game because, look, they, they had no other choice. I mean, they would have gotten blown out had they not dominated the paint, had they not gotten inside. Uh, and, you know, they were pulling – Look, Washington's a bad defense. Like they, that's how you get 21 more field goal attempts than than the other team is because they were hitting the boards, they were getting offensive rebound opportunities, they were kicking it back out, they just weren't hitting shots. They were getting it to the paint, pulling the defense in, uh, and getting wide open looks from three, and they just weren't hitting shots. That's why I say, you know, I understand the sentiment when you look at you know you look at the final box here and you go all right you give up thirty points in the third you give up thirty two points in the fourth you know that's that's sixty two points in the second half my second half defense failed me but I think you have to go a little bit deeper and go okay but you probably should have been in control of this game way earlier if you had knocked down some shots you had opportunities to get back in the game and get the lead and you didn't knock down shots and the missed shots in the third quarter led to you know some of the reason why they had 30 points in the third quarter was because they had multiple transition opportunities that were opened up by say it with me missed shots okay here's the thing that this loss covered up though three yammer of the year dunks uh, one of them happened late by DSJ on the back door reverse yammer of the year. Uh, don't see that much from DSJ's. He's done some cool fancy finishing uh, with with his layup, but not with that dunk. It was beautiful backdoor yammer of the year nominee. And then in the second quarter, there were two of them. Book Knight uh, just absolutely driving, yamming it. I mean, look, Book Knight, when he's driving, has been amazing. And he's, he's not doing any more of these quick threes. The one three that he took right before he got subbed out in the fourth quarter was a contested three. Uh, another quick three might, might have been one of the reasons why he got why he got pulled. But generally, you know, he's pulling those out of this game and, and focusing more on the drive which is helping to cover up a little bit some of these mistakes he's making, including another end-of-third-quarter foul that you're going like three seconds left on the clock. He has no chance at, at defending the transition opportunity that was given up, I believe, by a turnover, and book night fouls, and they get an extra point. And again, when you're talking about your offense being anemic, it's giving up those foul shooting foul opportunities that really hurt you at the margins. And if you look overall, 30 free throw attempts for uh, the Wizards, only 16 for the Hornets. But here's the amazing thing. Again, 
this is what leaves you, you scratching your head, right? 30 free throw attempts for the Washington Wizards. They only make 19 of them. Like Washington was giving you gifts all game long. They were giving you gifts. 63% from the line. Hornets only uh, 69%. Nice. 11 of 16. Uh, but Mason, again, 4 of 6 from the line. Like, yeah, he misses two, but he's generally been hitting from the line. Uh, in in a way uh, that he uh, that he hasn't before, but you get one miss from Dennis, you get one from Book Knight, you get one from Jalen, and all of a sudden, and again, you're not shooting a lot of free throws, which is a problem. And then when you miss them, they're just precious points that you're giving up. Uh, and then the final one, and was the best one, like honestly, this one sort of overshadowed. And it was Kelly Oubre, 153 left in the second quarter, double pump, yammer of the year. Dell pointing out if he doesn't double pump on the on the jam, then KP's going to block that shot. But Kelly, I mean, it was so violent, it was so devastating. I mean, it made me like shudder. It made me sit back in my seat. Uh, you dunks don't normally do that. I've seen. I've watched a lot of basketball over these many years. And so dunks, especially in that particular situation where it's not open floor, you got all the time in the world. I mean, Kelly, the skill involved in that, uh, it would have get it would have even in the dunk contest, which doesn't know even how to judge itself, that would have been immediate tens across the board. Kelly Oubre, I think honestly, I'm trying to think. But I, because I, I, I note it down in my notebook. Anytime there's there's a Yammer of the Year nominee, but I really can't think off the dome if there's been a better one. I think that Kelly Oubre dunk is going to be leader in the clubhouse. But again, it all gets overshadowed. Unfortunately, you know, it could still win. That's fine, but it gets overshadowed because um, it happens in a loss. Uh, so a few other things to talk about. <laughs> You know, this, uh, the Wibinyama folks, you know, the folks that want the Hornets to tank are going to be, I think, pleased with a five game losing streak. They're going to be pleased with throwing away a winnable game, you know, and they've, they've done this against teams that have been without some of their better players. They've been missing guys. Uh, you know, Brooklyn was, was missing Kyrie Irving for obvious reasons, but they were also without Ben Simmons. Although some people would say that maybe helped Brooklyn um, give me some of those young guys that can actually shoot the basketball an opportunity to play, but you're still missing talent. Um, the, you know, Washington was missing Beal. Uh, Chicago uh, was supposed to be without Levine, but they're missing Lonzo Ball. So you know, other other teams are missing players. Other teams are playing back to backs. Washington came into this game off of a back to back, so you would think the Hornets would have. Uh, a little bit more energy and a little bit more gumption, uh, physicality down the stretch of this one, and it wasn't the case. Uh, so, the, you know, Wibin Yama folks, the, ta- the tank folks, this is obviously if the Hornets do opt for tank mode, um, the, these are going to be sort of critical <laughs> losses to making that tank happen and to, to up in the odds because, the, again, the schedule really gets more difficult as the year goes on. Uh, but what I worry about is that Clifford doesn't look like he's having fun at all. I mean, I think we're ruining basketball for Steve Clifford permanently. And maybe Hornets fans don't care about that. Um, but, I mean, he just he doesn't look like he's having fun out there. This is uh, probably, I mean, it's what he signed up for, certainly. I, he didn't sign up for all the injuries. Uh, but this is not this is not the same kind of team that he coached 
uh, when he was here the first time. Uh, there are not as many veterans, and there are different kinds of players, uh, just in terms of temperament on and off the court. And off the court, I don't think it really matters, but temperament on the court um, is is certainly different. Um, and so he hasn't had an opportunity to coach LaMelo Ball in the regular season. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's going to be – there's still opportunities for this team to turn things around. And, you know, the one – Really, both playoff teams, uh, certainly the 16 team, but I think also the team that, that Clifford ran to the playoffs with the Bobcats made late-season runs. So it would not be unusual for a Clifford-led team to make a late-season push into the playoffs because Clifford, that's kind of his M.O., right? He gets teams to improve over the course of a year. He doesn't necessarily bring teams in fully formed, ready to go, um, that's that's not been his calling card. And I think really that can only be your calling card if you have overwhelming amounts of talent. And that's kind of the final thing I want to leave everyone on is that you, know, you can look at the injuries and say, yeah, that's that's rotten luck and and you know w- w- the shooting woes and the defensive woes and the mistakes, you know, all root back to to the injuries. and and that's, you know, I, I have a tough time arguing with that. But also you sort of as a franchise, you leave yourself, vulnerable to those kinds of injuries because as I said other teams are missing players too other teams are missing some of their best players and they're still they're still somehow managing to win these games against the Hornets and I think that's because you know you're you're not reliant on one all-star you you have uh, other talent that can demand attention uh, so, and, and that's, that's been a big problem for the Hornets. And when you don't do anything in the off season and you lose, uh, w- was not one of your best shooting talents last season, but certainly was one of your better offensive efficiency, you know, efficient offensive talents in miles bridges, you lose him and you only resign, uh, Cody Martin. Um, this is what you're left with. The Hornets had an opportunity to do something in the offseason, and they chose not to do it. Uh, there were rumors flying all over the place that they were um, in discussions with Utah for Donovan Mitchell, and we can see what Donovan Mitchell is doing right now for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's totally – now, the Cleveland had talent. They already had you know, several pieces there, um, but Donovan has taken them to another level. That's what top 25 talent in the NBA does. It takes your team to another level. It makes – Good players like Terry Rozier and great players like LaMelo Ball, it makes them even better. And so, you know, that's that's kind of just what I want to leave you with. That, yeah, we can look at the injuries and say, okay, uh, you know, that's that's the big story. And once everyone rotates back into the, you know, rotation, things will things will be okay. But I would say, hey, you know, I think the franchise kind of left themselves in this position. The other thing I would say is on the injury front. We haven't gotten any any information, any new information about Cody Martin's injury. We haven't gotten any new information about uh, LaMelo Ball's injury other than he's closer, he's closer. I saw him shooting around. I saw him doing some things. He's closer, he's closer. You know, when you don't give people more information on timelines, I think it can lead to restlessness. It can lead to questions about like, well, is this player really serious about unfair questions? And I'm not, I'm just saying that I'm seeing these questions online about like, well, does LaMelo really want to come back? Um, Or, you know, um, or should, you know, should we start giving him monikers like street clothes? I think those are totally unfair assessments because we, but here's the thing, when you don't communicate, 
you leave yourself open to unfair assessments. Um, and I'm not talking about LaMelo. I'm talking about the team. The team, I think, has there's been a little bit of a lack of communication on some of these injuries in terms of timelines, timetables, and updates. And so I think they, they, they open themselves up to either the, the team criticism of slow playing these injuries at the cost of, you know, you know, being too careful about the long term at the cost of maybe throwing away a possibility of winning this season. Um, or you, you know, you, you open yourself up to some other criticisms as well. So, you know, I, I don't think that that's going to change. I mean, I think the communication strategy is the communication strategy, uh, but we just don't, you know, when people ask me, when is LaMelo going to be back? When is Cody Martin going to be back? When is Gordon Hayward going to be back? Absolutely no idea. Everything's being played close to the vest. And uh, so we'll, we will just be in wait and see mode uh, for Portland coming up. Uh, Portland's been playing really great ball. They're playing Miami right now. They've got uh, Miami twice uh, after Portland. So I think the Hornets better hope they get some players back because that's going to be, you know, even though Miami has not really played Miami playoff level basketball to open this season, that's always been a bad matchup for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, they just, you know, that's it's a division rival and really not, I don't know if you even call it a rivalry because uh, Miami uh, tends to play so well when they play the Hornets. So, um, you know, I, I hope that they get some players back sooner than later so they can get a little bit more firepower and start shooting the basketball well again um, because they're not doing it very well right now. And I think that's been the story of this five-game losing streak, and that has been the story of this episode. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Uh, you can listen to us all week long. We are going to be uh, recapping and previewing the games coming up this week. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Hey, five-game losing streak. It might be bad Hornets basketball, but at least it's Hornets basketball. I'm still having a good time watching it. I'm still having a good time talking about it with you. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.